mindset and the hard work are, are things that you can control personally. And so the more you're committed to it, the results are going to happen over a period of time if you're committed to that process. I would definitely put mindset number one for me. Everything else kind of takes care of itself if you believe in it, in your mindsets there. Skill, I, I would not say Byron and I are natural salespeople either. That's Byron Schultz and Barry Goodrich of MJ Insurance talking about their number one priority when it comes to success in sales. In this episode, they sit down with Dan to talk about their sales journey and how they keep each other accountable and grounded in the sales process. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. I think the best place just to start would be just kind of start talking a little bit about the past four or five years in terms of what you guys have been able to accomplish. Barry and I have had, had a lot of success really starting 2019. We rewrote you know, together as a team because we split everything um, 50-50. Um, we wrote about 1.4 million of new business in 2019. We wrote 820,000 in 2020. And then in uh, 2021, this last fiscal year, we wrote just over 1.3 million of, of new business. So we've had a, had a great run. It's been, it's been great. It has. I mean, it sounds like it's been a lot of fun. So what do you guys think some of the reasons are behind that, that strong run? There, there's multiple pieces. I mean, we've just really perfected and gotten really good with, with the conversations with making sure that the prep for for the meetings, the the prep for the unknowns that can happen, we've just got really good and really comfortable being in those uncomfortable situations and really thrive to be in those situations, which I think is, is different than some of our competitors. So like when you guys say prep, can you share like I think a couple examples or an example about what you mean by prep? So when we do prep now in our careers, we don't necessarily prep so much for, for, for first meetings unless we know it's going to be a, a little bit of anomaly, but we do a lot of prep for our finalist meetings and we do a lot of work with Pam. Pam's been a great coach to walk through different scenarios, to do a lot of role playing. Because again, you know, you can have all the preparation, but the minute a, a monkey wrench gets thrown into it, you got to be flexible and be able to adapt and, and change course. And but still keep the objectives of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So like when you guys prep with Pam, could you share, like, do you guys share scenarios? Like, Hey, what could happen? What if they do this? What if they say that? Can you share a little bit more about that? I would say where, where Pam does a really nice job for us is anytime we have new people that are entering into the conversation and what's the best way of making sure that everyone in the room feels comfortable, heard, and ultimately getting something out of that time that we're going to spend together, especially if they're entering in late. And, and most times it's going to be at an executive level. So she's done a really nice job with us on just making sure that we're creating an atmosphere that everybody feels important, like they have a voice, but ultimately that we're not the ones that are driving a decision or trying to push them one way or the other. We're there to simply educate and, and help them you know, connect the, their own impact. 
I think that's the biggest part of, of when we really rely on her, especially if we know if there's a relationship at another level, you know, she's done a really nice job in situations like that, where maybe the CEO has a relationship with someone, but we're the HR pick and, and really talking through and coaching more or less our contact or the HR person to really tell why it's important for them to be able to own this decision. Right. And that ultimately they're the ones who are going to be asked for the, the outcomes, right? Whether those are positive or negative, that a lot of that's going to all fall on their shoulders and, and the importance of really owning that and feeling comfortable with the relationship. So if, if I'm a C-suite and I'm going to join the conversation, what might you guys do to try to engage me, like you said, and try to make sure that I feel comfortable that I can jump right in, that I, I'm able to communicate openly? So what, what might you guys do in that scenario? I mean, I think a lot of this is just asking a bunch of questions to them to see what type of beliefs or perceptions they have coming into this meeting, right? Because the conversation could be slated to go a totally different direction. But if he has an expectation of, of one way, you know, we really got to uncover and, and learn what he's thinking about and, and really drill down and ask more questions and try to figure out how we can shift to the strategy as such. Yeah. And most times I'll say, Dan, that, you know, maybe we've got 30 minutes. And so we always like to just acknowledge, especially because we know that they're probably running from one meeting to the next. So before anything, we'll just give them the opportunity. Hey, I know we've got 30 minutes set aside today. You know, do you mind sharing kind of what you've learned leading up to this point? If, if there's nothing, that's okay too. But really what you want to get out of the next 30 minutes together, this is your time. This isn't, this isn't MJ's time. And we really try and emphasize that this is more about them than it is us. And having them kind of take more ownership and, hey, I'm going to get something out of this regardless if MJ is the right answer or not. That sounds very credible, very peer-to-peer. So what other things do you think have contributed to this run of success that you've had? A big part of it is the relationship that Byron and I have. There's a trust, there's an accountability, there's a friendship. You know, I, I feel pretty bullish that if we were probably independent, we'd both have success. But I don't think it would be as strong as it is collectively, just because it's that that's a that's accountability partner that's that's there. We're able to celebrate together and we're also able to take our licks together too. And so we're we believe very strongly in don't let the highs get us too high and don't let the lows get us too lows because this is really the the long ball that we're playing here. And we've obviously had some really good weeks and we've had some some really bad weeks because as your book grows, there's going to be a lot of volatility that exists within it. And so I think having each other to to push ourselves and be able to celebrate when necessary, but also kind of pick the other one up when necessary as well has really played dividends for us just as we've kind of done this together. Can you think of an example where one of you picked the other one up a little bit based on a situation that you guys were in or an example as well, where you guys were able to stay even keeled in a very clutch scenario where you heard something great or you 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 found out you were really close to this big win but you had to stay neutral so that you wouldn't get out ahead of your skis. Can you think of like an example of either or? I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, that's one of the biggest things of having Barry as a partner is, is that we've been doing this for so long that we've worked on so many accounts together 
that it's only natural that one of us gets really involved and really attached into the outcome. And so when, when we can work with each other, I mean, we can always kind of say, Hey, you're pretty attached to this. Like, let's, let's take a couple steps back and let's, let's start from scratch and see it from this point of view. So having that accountability partner has been huge because a lot of the accounts that we're working on, we may have lost out five, six, seven years ago that has come back around. And so whenever that happens, you inevitably feel like you're, you're owed something or there's a, you know, there, there's some sort of entitlement. And so you got to kind of have to step back and, and, and start over and, and re- reset. And that's what's been very helpful. You know, I do remember an example of when we were working on RFP for, for a large client and they kind of dictated the way they wanted it to go. Were they a prospect or a client? Prospect. But they wanted, you know, everything to kind of go in their order, A through Z going down the list. And it was something where Byron was going to take lead on it. And he just didn't feel comfortable with the order that they had put out. And so, you know, we spent some time and and brought Pam in as well to say, we just feel like our story, which is going to ultimately help them more, is going to be better told and also understood if we come at it from this angle, because there's a lot of new people in the room and things like that. And so in the end, we just kind of pushed each other to what do we have to lose? Let's let's change the order. And we'll, we'll call it out at the beginning and we'll make, we'll calm everyone down that we're going to get to all the questions that they have. Cause we knew that they were, they were T charting us, but I think overall that really helped in the delivery. It also helped with us being comfortable, but I think that's an area where we've grown, where most of the time we probably would have just said, Hey, we just got to jam it through and make it happen. But by taking a step back and really being able to talk with each other and understand really what we were trying to achieve and get across to them. You know, I think that was a, a moment where we saw just how we're at a point in our careers where we can just make those changes and feel comfortable enough to address them and give enough context as to why we're doing it, which in the end is in their best interest. How did they respond to that? They responded really well because it really helped to shape the story because that's that's really what we're doing is we're you know we're learning from them and we're helping helping them to create their own story of what they're trying to accomplish. And so the way they had it set up is as as Barry mentioned, it just felt out of order to us. And so making it in more of a linear fashion just helped the other people in the room really resonate and align to what they were trying to trying to achieve. We also put a lot of rails on the conversation as well. And, and, we, and we said, look, you know, no, no questions out of bounds here. Like even makes us feel uncomfortable. Like we're, we're, we're ready to answer those hard questions because at the end of the day, if you don't get them asked, then it's not going to be in your best interest either. So, you know, kind of to piggyback on your, your first question, probably early in my career, I would have been very scared to ask that or, or to express that. <laughs> but, but now it's, it's okay because. We, we look forward to those those conversations. Yeah, well, you said a couple times, guys, create their own story, right? Where you're helping the prospect create their story. As you've been learning how to do that, obviously very effectively, what are some of the skills that you need to be patient with or you need to be continually evolving with to be able to do that? So what are maybe a couple things that you guys would recommend? The first thing is, is you got to really watch yourself and not jump in to help solve just immediately because the 
early in the careers, I mean, if we heard something that, hey, we know we could help there, it's, it's real easy just to jump right in and say, hey, here's the easy fix, put the Band-Aid on, on this. But that may cause other issues. So it's really learning the, the whole story, both from a micro level and a macro level, to really create a strategy that aligns. The market has changed so dramatically over the last three to four or five years. Even in our, you know, our, our initial upfront agreement, when we talk to, to clients, we'll just say, you know, there's so many strategies out there. The market has changed so dramatically. We got to figure out what best aligns with you. So there's a bunch of questions that we have to ask before we can even get into helping to solve. I think there's also a layer of empathy too. You don't want to always share, you want to listen. And I think with listening, there's a component of empathy too, right? And making sure that that prospect doesn't feel like we're jumping or trying to lead them anywhere, but that they feel safe in what they share and that it's not going to be held against them as well. And I think that's something that we've gotten really good at is not just taking surface level things and really uncovering or peeling that that onion back to make sure that we understand the full scope before we just go and solve, to Byron's point. You know, you guys maybe think of something here. I think it's a great point, Barry. And that's, can you think of a scenario, and I know I've had them, where you guys are right, you're, you're listening, you're prioritizing the learning, you've got some questions, you start asking them. Can you think of a funny response or like an odd reaction from any of your prospects because they're sitting back and they're not used to the direction you guys are headed. I mean, there there are several times. I mean, where you'll you'll have a CFO or an HR director who's used to controlling the conversation, and they're they're waiting for you to talk about everything that you have, and when you don't let it go and you don't just start start just throwing up on yourself with all the resources, they start to get frustrated. <laughs> And you got to keep dialing back and say, hey, like, you know, I, I could throw every resource at you on the planet, but it doesn't mean it's going to be valuable to you. It, it's learning to get good with those conversations. It's learning to say, you know, hey, we may not be the best fit. You know, you know, it sounds like you have a belief that this should go somewhere else. That's okay. But we just got to learn about you. What was the process like, guys, of going from a traditional sales mindset of scarcity, low intent? an attachment to that high performance mindset that you guys have worked so hard at of the detachment, abundance, and high intent. I mean, years, months, ups and downs. Could you kind of just share some things that come to mind? Because that's a journey a lot of the people in our our audience are going through. I think we're still working on it. Yeah, I, I think that, and I think that's a good point, Byron. And I, I think that's that's something that I don't know if there's ever been that aha moment. I do think it's you have to have an open and learning mindset always. And I think once you kind of feel like you've nailed it, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. And so it's something that I think we just have to constantly remind each other to, you know, be patient and and stay true to kind of what's got us here, where it's very easy to continue to fall back into some of those others of let me solve for it. Let me be the hero. Let me fix it really quickly. I mean, that's, that's the easy part. And so I think we, it's not something that has been definitely days or months. I would say it's been years, but it's still something that we're trying to perfect on our side. Can you guys tell when you're both in the zone with it and when you're not? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's pretty easy. Is there something that you feel or is there some kind of mode of operation that changes? You know, because I'm thinking about, you know, our listeners, right? What should they look out for based on your own experiences? I get nervous. And so when I'm, when I'm nervous, that means that it's game time. And so like I get a higher, a better focus on, on what I'm trying to achieve and it really heightens the census on the listening skills and, and making sure that you're communicating very simply, a lot less words. I, I think it's the engagement level, quite honestly. I mean, whether we're in person or, or we're virtual, if there's not a lot of engagement, I just feel like we've, we've somehow, somehow missed the mark. We didn't listen enough. We didn't understand exactly what they were trying to get out of this big picture because the most productive meetings that we have together when we're in the zone is when we're bouncing it back and forth, but there's that, that third person or fourth person that also is adding to the conversation. And it's not us just you know preaching or telling them what they should or shouldn't be doing. The, the, the other component there too is, is that you know we always have the mindset that we're already going to treat them like a client. And so the more it can feel unscripted and, you know, kind of just bouncing ideas back and forth. And we, we say, Hey, just want to give you a, a look. This is how, how we strategize and, and, and create new ideas for the client. And so sometimes we do that in, in front of them at the meeting, just kind of bounce. Hey, Barry, what do you, what do you think about this idea? Do you think this would make sense? And so having that transparency ha- has been a great way to have engagement too. How much of your success which has been hard-earned, is, we'll say, specific skill set, mindset, hard work, and we'll go with behavior, right? So mindset, behavior, skill, and hard work. It's a tough question, but I'm just curious, as you break those four things down, how would you break them down in terms of like priority one, two, three, and four? I remember, you know, when I started in, in this industry, which when I started, I had a uh... I didn't even know what a deductible was. So like I came in completely green. And so when you talk about the skill, I, I equate that to technical, technical knowledge. Right. And so, you know, our, our CEO, he told me, I mean, first conversation I had is, you know, it's going to take three years to get your undergraduate and five years to get your, your master's. And so right away, it's like, well, if I'm going to sell anything in the first three to five years, there's got to be some other activities that I'm going to have to do in order to do that. If, that's the only thing that's going to equate to, you know, getting new clients. Really, the skill is something that you're just going to keep learning and, and, and refining every, every single day. You know, and this, there's obviously a technical component to it. But I mean, I think you hit it on the head that the behavior and the mindset and the hard work are, are things that you can control personally. And so the more you're committed to it, the results are going to happen over a period of time if you're committed to that process. I would definitely put mindset number one for me. Everything else kind of takes care of itself if you believe in it, in your mindsets there. Skill, I, I would not say Byron and I are natural salespeople either, right? Like it was really hard for me to even get into a sales role because of the perception I had on what does sales really mean? Is that used car salesmen? Is that people that they're annoyed with you all the time? You know, I just remember back to when I was presented getting into this industry, I was very uneasy about it. And it wasn't until I think I changed my mindset, which I knew that just given who I am as a person from work ethic, from hard work, right, or behavior, that I could do it if it was something I believed in. 
but it was the mindset that I had to probably number one, accomplish and really feel comfortable with it. And everything else would take care of itself. So I think skill is at the bottom for both of us, just because I don't think it's necessarily all that natural. It's something that we've tried to make more natural for ourselves. But in return, I don't think we had to overcome like these past sales, bad experiences outside of just that natural feeling of wanting people to like me or buy from me. You know, that was one nice barrier that we didn't probably have to overcome. But I think the mindset is really kind of taking care of all those. So when you say mindset, could you share a little bit more just to make sure our listeners kind of get a good feel for what you mean by mindset? I think it goes back to just having high intent. Take yourself out of it. At the end of the day, you're not going to be the right fit for everyone. And that's okay. And I think once you become okay with that and don't try and grasp on to make everybody want to like you or do business with you, that's when you really start to become more free, open, transparent, peer-to-peer. I think that's where you build that trust. I'm going to switch the question up a little bit, right? Because you guys have also been around a lot of sales professionals who either didn't make it or are struggling to make it. What would you say the three to four common mistakes or errors that they're making that tend to lead toward their lack of success? Barry and I mentor a lot of a lot of new business development producers in our organization. And one of the things that we always tell them is to say, hey, you know, we we hired you because we, we feel like you're you're a you're you're a good fit. You have you have the skills to create behavior mindset, hard hard work and, and the technical knowledge. But it's all about when you're out in a in a social setting with with a bunch of people that could be a, a lot of different business professionals that are out there, type A you know, C-level people. And, and when you're around them, you know, you have a very peer-to-peer conversation and you're able to, you know, learn from them and hear their story. And then, you know, if appropriate, tell your story. And it's a very natural dialogue and conversation. But when they put on their slacks and their button-down shirt, for sometimes, for some reason, it becomes more of a, of, of a rigid activity and, and not, not as natural and not speaking you know, like you're at that happy hour with, with your close friends. So we'd like to just really try to say, hey, the reason why you have a lot of respect and a lot of friends in the business community is because, you know, they, they want to hang around with you. They, they, they feel comfortable sharing with you. Keep that same mindset as you're doing this professionally. What are the three things then that you guys feel like are, are very common themes that you're trying to coach or instill? In the mentoree. Don't let the highs get you too high and the lows get you too lows. I mean, ego is a big part of, I think, sales just in general. There's a reason we all get into sales. And I think the more you can check your ego and make not only the person feel across from you comfortable, but also those, those in your office, you don't always have to be the loudest voice. You don't always have to be the most liked person. And you, you can't always be the one to deliver the good news when you have it either. And so one thing that I would really tell people that I think we've gotten really good at is not always having to be the person that saves it or be the person that's, that's always got the answer. But you can't grow if you don't allow others to lead next to you. And you can't grow if you don't have people that respect you and feel like they're 
just as much part of your success as as what you're doing and checking the ego and not and not impacting things and allowing other people to to share in the success and 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 keep it honed in yeah i just preach to them just be curious just ask as many questions as possible i mean i remember i, I was probably annoyingly over questioned when i was starting off just because if you don't ask questions it's difficult to learn and so i just say hey, you know ask me as many questions as you want and i'll answer them and there's also a component of don't overthink it too i mean we're we're guilty of that a lot we overthink overanalyze everything and so i i do think that's part of the benefit of having someone like yourself or pam to be able to reach out to me and be like hey are we missing something are we just too close to this are we too attached so I do see a lot of power in just having that outside perspective. As much as there's a benefit of having each other, every once in a while, we got to call time out on ourselves and know that we've just got to bring in someone else to make sure that we're seeing this correctly. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>